Welcome to another episode of Electable, um, sponsored by the Indiana Women's Action Movement. Uh, today, we're just totally honored. It's such a timely discussion and, um, and really um, a long-awaited conversation. I've known about uh, Mark Gavart for a long time and the work you do in, in Fort Wayne, um, supporting union uh, organizations and work. And so I'm really pleased that we're finally able to get together. So Mark, you have a great history in union work. And so I really would love for you to just describe your background and your history um, in related to union organizing. Uh, thank you very much. I've had the pleasure of doing a number of union things in my lifetime. I started out walking into a factory at the age of 18. I graduated and that fall, I started working in a factory. That was 40 years ago. So I walked into a predetermined membership to a union. At the time, it meant nothing to me. I didn't understand it. I was raised in a very conservative family, business folks, a teacher. Um, and those people really didn't think that unions were a needed and necessary thing. In fact, both grandfathers were personnel type of folks who were anti-union and fought with unions in their careers. So I heard a lot of anti-union things growing up. I had done some of my own teachings and learnings about unions, but once I was immersed in it, I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. As things developed and moved on, I found myself being involved in leadership roles and taking on the presidency and vice presidency of my local union here. In that time, I was able to forge the ideas of what it is for collective bargaining and what a gift we've been given that the people who fought and battled with the managers, in this case, I work for General Motors, over those years getting me to where I was, I had to shed no blood. I didn't have to beat anybody up or be a part of huge arguments. Those things were done for me. So my work today, since 2016, I've done a radio and podcast dedicating to putting out a voice for labor. Because here in Northeast Indiana, a very red district, very anti-labor on many levels. In fact, right now, currently all the who's who in town, who are big people who are gonna say, I'm here to help this community, are union busting against the Philharmonic musicians right here in Northeast Indiana. They'll get a little bit in the paper here, a little bit in the paper there. They try to be objective and show both perspectives. But what really isn't being told is these guys wanna take 64 musicians and break it down to about 16 full-time musicians and try and keep maintaining the same kind of Philharmonic thing that's been done for years. There's been some rallies, there's been some amazing stuff going on, but there's still, it's a tit for tat fight and it's union busting and it's barest bones. And that's what you have to all not lose sight of. In my history, one of the biggest things I did was be able to organize and work in some of the sub industries when janitorial services left the facility, when um, headliners that are the head, the, the roof for the vehicle, they get sent across the street and built in a factory that was built right across the street from the General Motors plant we work at now. Those people are avail available to be organized. And we wanna be able to help and advocate for those folks. Separate agreements completely than the UAW had with General Motors, it's the UAW and the other companies we're working with. So now we have an amalgamated union here, which is United Auto Workers 2209 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That amalgamated union has got a lot of faces and a lot of value for a lot of people in the area here. It's a growing and building thing. Well over 4,000 members here are union members. Not the biggest in the area because you've got some government unions and other things that are going on too, but there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of people to organize, whether it's nurses, whether it's other small shops here in the area, there's plenty of opportunity. So my thinking was let's work on making sure there's a place and a voice for people to be able to do that. 
Now, my biggest thing in the last couple of years, too, has been politics, because I am looking for that candidate who doesn't have a problem using the word union in a sentence and showing support for union solidarity and the coming together and the collective work for collective bargaining. That's great. Oh, what a great history. So it, it sparked so many things to talk about. Uh, first of all, of course, it reminds me of one of our great candidates from, from Fort Wayne area, Emma Steele, who ran last year yes. for state representative, a terrific, young, smart, articulate woman, and really devoted to uh, unions and social justice organizing, and is working really hard even now um, to organize a coalition of great social justice uh, workers over there in, in the Fort Wayne area. And, and, watch, and if you watched her advertisements too, which were great, I mean, she just shot from the hip and spoke her mind and her heart on her sleeve type of thing and talked about unions and collective bargaining as a right. Beautiful. I mean, I was right. sold on that candidate right away. Right. And I think, you know, the history of unions uh, has led us to a place now where hmm. people don't really understand it. You know, there's mm -hmm. developed this culture um, about, you know, unions being bad and evil and corrupt and uh, and, you know, too powerful. And, uh, and of course, we've been living now uh, being fed that kind of culture by our state government, uh, you know, ever since Mitch Daniels, who right. you know, began this mission to break teachers unions, and of course, um, uh, put in place the right to work laws um, mm. that allow people who benefit from union collective bargaining uh, to not have to pay dues. So, right. um, so, so that's where we kind of were. But now I, I'd really like to talk about where we are now because you know the pandemic has changed so many things. And um, the millennials and the Gen Xers and Gen Zers coming up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they're not going for this idea of working with no benefits for low wages and working three jobs to support a family. Mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, a little more like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I wonder if they're a little more nihilistic because of our our, our generation's lack of addressing the climate change you know, this kind of impending doom that has just made them say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not just going to get in line and keep doing the same old thing. So, um, so I'm really excited, you know, because this is a moment, I think, in my opinion, we are in a special moment on um, the pandemic, you know, everyone, a lot of people lost their jobs, and then they were supported by uh, federal dollars to uh, boost up unemployment benefits. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, you know, made them kind of take stock. And of course, other things happened. Healthcare facilities closed, um, so and and people you know gave up driving. Uh, you know they didn't have funds for for driving, and now maybe don't have a car. Uh, and so so now um, now that um, you know our governor has recently decided that uh, he's going to uh, reject that federal money to support our Indiana unemployed people. Um, now what you know is it? Yeah. Can the governor really say? Hey, all you people, you got to go back to the old system. You got to go back to working two or three jobs. And if you can't get childcare, I don't know. We're not going to help you with that. So right. now, uh, so, you know, as I describe this moment, I feel like this may be a really interesting time for unions. I think people, even of my age, and like you say, you didn't have to fight. No. And I've never had to fight. And, you know, teachers, you know, currently, you know, they're, they're fighting a lot just for their survival. Right. But um, are we ready? Are, are the people of Indiana ready to start this union organizing fight again? Yes, we are. In fact, that's what's the, the crux of where we are today is because we let 
we are here because of our history. And if you understand it with the perspective of looking back at what got us here, once we added people like Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh, who taught plenty of fathers and mothers who then taught their children the evils of teachers unions or the evils of unions, period. At the same time, state legislatures were pulling labor education from the the construct of what we're teaching, taking that away. So you get a couple of pages in a book, but that's about it. And it's a black and white photo of somebody on a horse clubbing somebody with a sign that says, I'm on strike. Well, I don't want to live like that. That looks horrible. Those are the ways that they looked at labor. If the boss, if the people in charge in the GOP are telling you, you don't need a union, that's the green light to organize right there. Right. So let's not lose sight of the fact that education of the people who we want to lead today is our fault because we let it lapse. We let those things be taken away from the classroom. So people didn't hear about it. If you're raised in a house without people talking about labor unions in a positive light, you're gonna look at it from a negative in some way. It's gonna be horrible. They're not gonna help me in any way. They're here, some evil person's gonna come down from Detroit or wherever the home office is for this labor union and tell us what to do. Actually, you're going to put 200 people together, 199 vote for the union. One person doesn't. That's fine. They have that right. Now, collectively, that group will find a leader and leaders in that group to represent the folks on the opposite shifts and the shifts they work to take care of putting together a collective bargaining agreement that everybody can see equality in. The biggest thing that's missed here is gender, age, race. Those things don't matter when it comes to a collective bargaining agreement because we all receive the same. What the companies, what the government in this case, in the state of Indiana, ruled by the GOP for over 16 years, want to take rights. And let's get back to what the point you made about the governor taking away the federally given $300 extra. He somehow claims that nobody wants to come to work. Nobody wants to come to work for that wage. Thank right. you very much. The pandemic had people step back and look at life as where it is and not really like what they had. They know that there's a better option out there. But what has to happen is we have to come together collectively. Difficult, easy to say, hey, you guys should collectively do that. There's 35 of you in a shop somewhere. How do you get those 35 people to agree on anything? It's a difficult task. So we want it to happen. It's going to happen, could easily happen. There's still a lot of work to be done. Right. And I like to, I like to talk too, and, and I'm, maybe you can add to the list, um, but I like to think about all the things that people could get. Like you say, they, you know, people on the pandemic, you know, they took stock and they, you know, and yeah, they don't want to go back to making low wages and no benefits mm -hmm. uh, because they're all down, you know, they're, they're only able to work 29 hours. So they don't get the benefits, you know, healthcare benefits. Right. Um, people are demanding more. And I always like to say when, and you know, when someone says, yeah, I can't get anyone to work. And I, always, and I always want to say, well, how much are you paying? What kind of Great question. Yeah. So, um, and I always encourage people to do that too. Ask, you know, ask everyone who's complaining that no one wants to work. Well, how much are they paying? All right. So, um, the, and the, but there's many more things that we should think about. I mean, particularly mm -hmm. women uh, who dominate these low wage jobs. Right. Uh, how about, how about you organize and demand um, subsidies for childcare uh, or maternity leave? Uh, or, you know, paid maternity leave at, at any level right. um, or, uh, you know, or accommodations for pregnant women in the uh, in the workplace uh, or a good system to make sure that there is remedy for sexual harassment in the workplace Big. Um, or, you know, guarantees for mm -hmm. equal pay for equal work. Um, so what else? What else should be people be thinking that, you know, you could really get this if you could organize? 
Well, a big fa factor in this is just the contact, taking the time to review it yourself with your phone. You've got the power right here to be able to search anywhere and look at anything about labor and find someone who can answer your questions. It's not going to an 800 number to take a call type of thing, but there, if you're interested in your workplace to find organizing, there are steps that can be taken and the labor department is very labor friendly right now. And if you go to their website, uh, it's a .org labor department, there's a lot of options and information there that you could in a half an hour of reading, find out a number of things and a number of steps you can take to have a card check and a lot of times you could find yourself, and I've seen this, there's, there, what we miss here is that we're in our own little bubble here in Northeast Indiana, or you are in Northwest Indiana. And in that world, we just think, oh, well, I don't know anybody around here who's organizing. If you expand your view to the entire United States, there's organizing going on and victories every week of 35 people here, 100 people there, 75 people there. These victories are happening all over the United States. Just in the last week here, the 13th to the 20th of May, while we're talking now, there were over 100 victories in which they had, this is the United States, over 100, only 103, but over 100 that actually have workplace recognition of a union. That's step one. There's multiple steps after that. And the company will always drag their feet, fight and say, oh, we're not ready to negotiate. No, we don't have to because they have lawyers and a huge marketplace of lawyers and others who are against workers, making sure that they don't have a voice in their workplace. The first thing you could do if you're thinking about or want to organize is to avail yourself of all the opportunities and what the laws are and the restrictions on what you can do, because that's what the GOP has done in the last 50 years is add restrictions to what you can and can't do in your workplace when it comes to organizing. Now, you hear someone get fired because they brought up the word union. We are a right to work at will place. So state, so you work in your workplace, you're at will, at the will of that person who's running the show. And it's not fired for just cause, it's fired for just cause, just cause <laughs> you talked about a union. That's what they always do. So don't lose sight of the fact that there's always casualties in organizing. But you just went through a pandemic. This is the worst time of your life. You just left three jobs trying to find one to make ends meet. If you lost another one, you know what? Move on or continue to help that fight. It's a very dicey situation to ask somebody to stick their neck out and do this because for all the solidarity you've got in that workplace, as soon as they single that one out, it's like a mold mafia thing. Shoot this one and get the rest of them to follow so they don't get to be the next one shot. That's what management rolls by. Wow. Okay, great. Well, that's a great introduction to the topic of the PRO Act. Um, yes. Protecting the right to organize is what that stands for, right? Correct. You know, I have so, and, I, and I just was able to have um, a U.S. Representative uh, Frank Mervan from uh, Indiana Perfect. Congressional District 1, Northwest Indiana, uh, to talk about that on, on, a, on a podcast. And, um, and it's great. And I, and I will tell you, it's funny how you said, you know, watch out for what the, the Republicans are doing and what the lawyers are doing uh, that work for these companies. Because when I went to research it, the first thing I found was a uh, report by a, you know, a law firm who was saying how terrible it was and what, how awful it was going to be for companies. And, you know, and I was like, oh, yes, this is what I want to know. I want to know because that's where I could find out why we needed it. Right. And, and of course, the first thing uh, to note is that that bill um, outlaws the right to work um, there's a state statute that are out right. there. 
And while while you're, let's do a quick thing on that. I was just on a live stream on Friday night. Here we are talking on Saturday. And in that live stream, I'm talking with the AFL-CIO president from Alabama. They took right to work, not just as legislation, it's now in their constitution in the state of Alabama. So trust me, it sounds great that we can alleviate right to work, but a place like Alabama, it's constitutional in there. It's like that fight will yeah. go to the Supreme Court. So many things can happen good, but it's also going to be a fight in the courts. And we can always wow. understand that that's where it's going to go. Sorry to just sidetrack you, no, but that's an no. important point. Yes, that is important. And uh, yeah, so other things about the PRO Act are that um, it really does hold companies responsible for anti-union behavior mm-hmm. um, and does make it quite a bit easier for people to organize. Um, and anything in there that I, I'm, there's a lot of small things and uh, but I mean, I think the general gist is really that it does support people's right to organize and um, facilitates that. Right, which was law written in 1937. And so as we look back on our history, since that law was written, everybody has fought against it that runs a corporation or companies. And they put their money into wonderful places like the Chamber of Commerce, the most anti-union coast-to-coast organization of businesses is the Chamber of Commerce. They are the first ones that came out with a letter saying, we are against this $300. It's making difficult uh, choices for businesses. They can't get good people to come work for them. And just crying, I just hear the violins playing for them when they wrote that piece. So you've got the Chamber of Commerce who claims to be all for the employees. They're for HR. And I tell you right now, HR is not on your team either. They're against you if you're a working person. So understand that the Chamber is behind with the GOP money. You could name any of a number of millionaires who support all those things too. That money is against what we're trying to do. When you ask about some of the small things that are in the PRO Act, you're going to release and free up laws that have been written over time to take away the rights or chance to put you in jail, chance to say that you'll never work for this company again type of thing. Those things are alleviated. You don't have those burdens or yokes over you anymore as a person trying to organize your workplace. It's given back the freedoms that we're starting to peel the onion back of years of legislation that's been anti-worker, but it's been shrouded in a number of other things that are happening in the world that you don't really see those things as they sneak it through, whether it's on a state level or the, or the national level. I think that's great. So of course we want people to get out there and it was passed in the, in the, in the house. In the house. Correct. We're waiting for the Senate and you can imagine where Todd Young and Senator Braun are on this one. Yes. So, well, certainly (laughs) they should call. And I do want to say on a more local level, uh, my state Senator Karen Talion has done a good Mm -hmm. job of coming out and saying in response to uh, Holcomb's decision to, uh, you know, short change everybody um, that, you know, we haven't even done a study. We haven't even asked why are people not taking these jobs? Uh, how about we ask, you know, just like you and I said earlier, we should ask, well, how much are you paying? Um, you, know, she, you know, she wants to pursue that. Why are people not taking these jobs? And, and of course, reveal, I think, what you and I know, that it, it's because of the pay, the benefits, the mm. child care issues, transportation issues, and, um, and of course, you know, health risk issues that um, people oh, oh, face yeah. still and are a little worried about, you know, being out and mixing with people. Mm. And I'm old enough to I'm old enough to remember that when we went to 725 as the minimum wage, it was doom and gloom. It was going to ruin business from coast to coast in this country. It was going to kill everything. And guess what? We never did that. It never happened. Yeah. So tell me what you think about the um, little phenomenon that happened recently, where several large corporations increased their um, their pay scales. Um, you know, 
uh, you know, Costco, Amazon, even McDonald's, you know, other places right. like that increased it. I mean, it makes me worry because it makes me think that people will say, oh, okay, the market's, uh, you know, managing this issue and it's raising uh, wages, but those really aren't guaranteed wages. And no. those could change <laughs> at right. any time. Um, you know, uh, they could uh, hire people in at that rate. And then six months down the road, when there's no more demand um, um, for employees, um, just start lowering the wage. And really, right. uh, because like, as you say, we are an at-will state. You work at the will of your employer and at your own will. You can quit anytime you want um, mm -hmm. for no reason. But, um, you know, what if that were the outcome that as, you know, the demand was reduced, that those kind of people were let off and, you know, wages, higher in wages went down. Um, you think that's a possibility? Yeah, total possibility. It's not a what if, it's a when type oh. of thing that you know what's going to happen. Because I look at it as that's the headline. Everybody loves the headline. Amazon did this wonderful thing. So did this place. So did that place. Oh, it's wonderful. Aren't they just really taking care of their workers? That's the BS front. Read the article, boil it down to about a paragraph, and you realize that this is just temporary. This is just a PR stunt, for lack of a better term, to try and get America to unify around company X, Y, and Z and make them look good. It's all about image. And they have people they've hired, attorneys, love the attorneys. They're on both sides of this argument. When it comes to labor, they can hire people who are here to stop union organizing and to also yeah. help your image and make sure that you have proper PR out there and ship it right to the newspaper, right to the radio station. Here in Northeast Indiana, where I'm at, those people are shipping this information about how wonderful they are and the great things they're doing for their employees. And no one questions it. They read it, this press release as news. Cause guess what? They never had to leave their desk. They never had to do any work. They didn't have to hit pound the pavement, talk to the workers that are out there because the company said this, it must be right. So when I go to all these things, I go back to my beginning that I've always said, just because they're a millionaire doesn't mean they're smarter than the workers. They were just in a situation that allowed them to make a bunch of money. And now they're in control and dictating and setting up how your life's going to be and what you're going to make for it. Doesn't make them the smart people. Trust me, they're out there for their own tail. They're going to, in the end, just take care of the business. When it comes to the workers, they are working to try and take care of themselves. Now, without the business, the workers don't have a place to go. So there is a marriage that has to happen, a working together that has to happen, a unity that will make the whole thing go forward. But asking for a fair wage, a fair equitable terms for everybody that works there, not just for these seven people we love and you 14 people we're not happy with, you just get what we give you. It's equal for all. And that's all we're asking for. Right. Uh, so nice that they're raising the wages, but wouldn't it be nicer if you had a little more control over what that wage was going to be going four, forward? Four terms, um, three or four years, whatever your agreement term is. Yes. Right. Right. And I will say, I was helping a young person look for a job and there was all these talk of sign-on bonuses. And, and one of them that I looked into for her, um, it's like, well, yeah. Okay. So it says thousand dollars sign-on bonus. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And, but yeah. then when you look at it, it's like, well, you get $500 after six months. And then after a year, you get another 500. <laughs> that's it's, dicey. You know, yeah. You have to be a, bonus. yeah, I, that's <laughs> very good for you to research that far. Cause there's, again, it goes back to, there's the headline and everybody's grabs the headline. This is the story. No, let's read into it. Let's find out more. Right. right. And likewise with the wages, you know, I mean, they're saying, well, we're, you know, starting yeah. people at $16. Well, that must, doesn't mean they're going to finish people at $16. You know, it doesn't mean they're even going right. to be $16 a year from now. 
So right. we really have to, a lot of educating to do, don't we? Yeah. And I think we've, we've got great things happening for us. Um, I just did my most recent show at mylaborradio.org. You can follow us or find me on any platform for My Labor Radio. And you would search and listen to the podcast. My most recent one is an ISTA member. Tim Barr from Northeast Indiana. Tim was a candidate, um, a great person because he has a perspective for the teachers and he's talking about teachers things. And one of the great comments we had and discussion, excuse me, discussions we had was about labor and teaching labor in the classroom. He's made it a goal that he's gone beyond what was the curriculum type of thing and made sure that it's put in a positive light. He's not talking about this factory or that factory. He's talking about teachers and the red for ed that happened on in November of 19 and 30, 20,000 people that are teachers took the day off and went down to the state house and still had legislators going, well, I haven't heard from constituents that this is a big problem. You haven't heard from constituents. There was 20,000 of them outside the state house. What are you talking right. about? Yeah, take a step outside. Right. Yeah, well, so it's and, education is very big, yes. Right, and so, and it, and it really kind of, you know, gets in my craw this notion that uh, this year the budget was passed and suddenly at the very last second, more money was put into education, but only because of the Biden uh, family rescue plan. Right. You know, yeah. that funding that appeared, that $2 billion that appeared uh, as new expected revenue only right. appeared because of uh, Biden being in the White House. But so, don't, and, don't think that they're not going to take credit for it, though. Yeah, yeah. They'll say, hey, we gave you, you know, we gave you this and, you know, right. so be quiet now. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. So, um, so we're almost out of time. And so um, I do want to ask you, uh, and if there's anything else you really, really are dying sure. to talk about, I am happy to talk about it. But otherwise, I would love to just, uh, I always ask people, just please give me some parting words of wisdom. Uh, you've been around for a long time. You've done such a great job um, educating people and getting this issue out there. And I think now is our time. Yes. Uh, and so I'm really excited about what you can do now. So, um, so any parting words of wisdom for us? Well, I want to see the actions that we're taking about talking about things like this. And your show is talking about people who are electable. I don't want to be elected to anything. I want to talk to people about education. And I think that's part of being electable because we need people in their 20s and 30s who are out there realizing what kind of crap jobs they're being offered right now. That's not something they can sink their teeth into and have a career in. I was lucky enough to walk into a place and stay and have a career and do the work I'm doing. It's given me a chance to be able to do, I'm able to afford to buy a camera and microphones and things like this and pay for, you know, setting up the podcast has a place to go, but we want to use things like that to educate people, give them the opportunity. So I would ask anybody who's interested, who wants to talk about labor issues, find me, find Deborah. Let's sit down and talk about this stuff. Yeah. What makes you tick as a worker? Let's figure out what it needs to do to go to the next step. I have ideas, but I'm the old guy. I want to talk to the younger folks who are in this work world and find out what they have going on because they're the ones that are going to be the future. I'm relying on them down the road to take care of us, but I want to nurture give some ideas and watch them go because that's what's really going on. We have to look at, and you've talked about this endlessly, early childhood education. You were talking about urban farming, getting the kids involved to be good stewards of this earth that we give them. We also have to have good stewards of workplaces so that they can have equitable lives and a place to live work that provides for a place for them to comfortably live and raise a family and enjoy the American dream. You can't get there if you don't have the proper functioning wages, benefits, and the opportunity to be able to leave work, 
go home and enjoy a life and then go back to that work again. It's something that it's a yin and yang that makes your life better, but it's not achieved if we don't have collective bargaining. Collective bargaining is a right. You just have to exercise that right. I've constantly said, be wise, organize, but also to get to that end, educate yourself because what you've been told may be some BS. So you've got to search it and find out for yourself. Yeah, there's a there's a people kind of conspiring against this, aren't they? <laughs> so much to, so, yes. And you hate to say that, you know, you hate to be that conspiracy person, but it's out there, and you really do have to. Uh, it's that. more based in reality than it is conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so conspiracies aren't necessarily false; they're just, you know, conspiracy. Depends so. on the perspective of it too, and where we're at. And when it comes to people's labor, this is a fight that's been fought since the wheel was invented. So someone building the wheel back in cave days, come on, there was someone laboring to take care of others. All these fights have happened for centuries. It's not something new. It's just in a different perspective, but you have an opportunity as a worker to look into it deeper, dig deeper, find out more. Great, great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. What a great, uh, what a great resource you are for you, uh, all things labor. I really appreciate talking with you. I love it. Great. I look forward to talking to you in the future. Absolutely. All right. Take care.